Dr. Ryan Warman was a medical doctor, but after he discovered his passion for words and writing, he decided to follow his intuition and become a medical and healthcare copywriter. He is now the creative director and head of copy at Wellmark, a Melbourne-based creative agency that specializes in healthcare marketing. He writes for a range of clients, including hospitals, IVF clinics, and communication campaigns for the national COVID response. Hello there, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. I've been a copywriter for over 30 years, and I've trained over 9,000 people to become successful copywriters. And what I love most about my work is that I get to help people uncover their talent for writing and provide them with the training that helps them get the confidence they need to give it a go. If you want to get paid to write copy, work with people you like and respect, choose when and where you work, then maybe becoming a copywriter is something worth considering. Here's what Susie Cole had to say after completing our short course, Copywriting Essentials. Bernadette said to me, get a business card printed saying, copywriter. I did. I gave it out. And guess what? No one challenged me. I was shocked. That card has led to three paid jobs. And those jobs paid for my website build and all my branding. I've earned more in a week than I did in a month in my full-time job. And I couldn't have done it without the course. Thanks, Susie. So maybe you're already a copywriter and love it, but you want to have some connection with other copywriters and access to a community of like-minded collaborators. Well, if so, Copy Club is for you. You'll get access to our learning hub, job opportunities, our live Zoom group coaching calls, and much more. So please check out copyclub.com.au. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And now let's hear from my guest, Ryan Woolman. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Ryan, in terms of you being a copywriter, you actually began life as a doctor, from what I understand. Just talk me through how you became a doctor or what enabled you to, you know, go down that path and what led to copywriting because it's quite a diverse uh, choice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, certainly not uh, conventional, I wouldn't say, (laughs) the path that I've taken. I mean, uh, oh, going back a fair while now, but I originally got into medicine really because uh, my dad was a doctor. We had a lot of kind of doctors in the family. It was a bit of a, um, a, bit of a tradition. <laughs> and so I couldn't really remember ever wanting to do anything else. Um, and then, so, yeah, I studied medicine. I actually worked with a doctor for about seven years, um, predominantly in psychiatry. And, yeah, for various reasons, I decided to get out. Um, and... That it did actually kind of dovetail quite nicely with writing because I'd always loved writing. Um, and so I wanted to try and find a way where, you know, I could become a writer without completely abandoning my healthcare background. Um, so I did a graduate certificate in professional writing and I sort of started looking into whether there was such a thing as a, as a medical writer um, because, you know, it's not something that you hear about a lot. Um, and fortunately, you know, there was, um, although, you know, it is, it is a very niche area, so it took a bit of a digging around. Um, started off doing a bit of freelance writing and then uh, and then I got a job uh, as a junior medical writer at my current agency and that was 14 years ago. So, um, so yeah, it's been, been an interesting uh, progression. Um, and my agency, Wellmark, is a creative Mark Holmes agency. So, you know, my role has certainly always involved some copywriting. 
Um, but over over kind of the years, it's evolved from sort of you know pretty highly technical uh, writing to to more creative copywriting and, and creative direction now. And in terms of a lot of copywriters I train often ask if they should niche or not. Mm. What, what's your perspective? Obviously, the agency is incredibly niche, but within the niche, there's a very broad base as well. So what's your thinking for copywriters starting out? Should they um, niche or should they try and take whatever they can get at the, the first instance? Yeah, I, I reckon that's a really interesting question. It's something that, you know, as a, as a new copywriter, you, it's important to understand, <laughs> um, you know, what the pros and cons are. Um, and I think, it's, you know, it's a particularly interesting question given the debate in marketing circles about, you know, narrow targeting versus mass marketing, if you like. Um, and the fact that, you know, when your target is too narrow, you, you, you can miss out on that serendipitous custom. Um, but I think for a service like copywriting, some degree of specialisation is probably a good idea. Um, and an inter- I, I read an interesting article by Rory Sutherland uh, a few months ago, which was, uh, which was really good on this subject. And he kind of made the case for specialisation of work on the basis of what, what he called concentration of attention. Um, meaning that specialising in a niche kind of focuses your attention and improves your skills faster. Um, and also the fact that potential clients are more likely to think of you as an expert. So Rory um, uses a great analogy where, you know, if you see a restaurant that advertises um, Thai food and tapas, you don't think, well, what an excitingly diverse eating experience. You know, you just think it's a little bit dodgy. <laughs> so, so it is an interesting one. Um, but what I would probably recommend is that specialisation is advisable if you want to avoid being commoditized, because, you know, which is, of course, what's happening with, you know, all these content mills that pay writers five bucks a page or whatever. Um, but but also that when you're first starting out, it's probably best to keep your options open a bit um, and get a, a broader, broadish experience to work out, you know, what suits you best and, and where, where you may actually um, prefer to niche. Healthcare is so diverse. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about some of the clients you work with so that people can understand what healthcare marketing really means. Yeah, sure. Well, it, it is diverse um, and it's interesting that we have actually diversified. Our, our client base has diversified quite a bit from, from when I first started at the agency and certainly since the inception of Wellmark. Um, we really started out as a med-ed agency, so-called, for um, pharmaceutical brands. Um, and we still do, you know, we still do a fair amount of work for pharma brands, but we also um, now work for for pretty much healthcare clients across, you know, across the, the sector. So everything from hospitals, you know, we've, we've done quite a lot of work for, for the Alfred, for example. Um, we currently work with the AMA. Uh, we've done um, oh, what else? Um, uh, organisations like APTA, which is the um, Australian uh, Primary Healthcare Nurses Association, um, and so what that means is that, you know, we really do everything from um, what, you know, as I said before, that really technical writing for pharmaceutical brands. So that might involve, you know, um, peer-reviewed journal papers, for example, at the very, very extreme end. Um, and then right through to, you know, highly promotional work, ad campaigns, um, uh, health promotion campaigns, all that kind of thing. So, so it really is pretty diverse. Do you think when you're engaging copywriters, what what do you look for? Do they need to have a medical background, or what? If if copywriters are listening to this and they'd like to sort of get into the healthcare sector, what what tips would you give them for um in, you know being chosen by you as a copywriter? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It, it, it's really not um, 
possible, certainly, certainly for the, um, you know, the, the highly scientific work that we do, it's really not possible to, to kind of just, you know, do that if you don't have any kind of scientific um, background. So at the very least, you know, all our writers pretty much have a life science um, qualification of some sort. Um, so obviously I've got my medical degree. Um, we've got another, our, our director of strategy has um, a medical degree as well. We've got a vet. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so it's it's not something you can just sort of jump into um, without at least understanding uh, some of those some of those basics, yeah. So if someone was um, to, to want to work with you, they would need to have those kind of, of basics. But what if they haven't been a copywriter? What would you suggest to them? Is there a, a, a how do you train them in, in the art of that? Or do you expect them to be trained before they get there? Yeah, right, right. Um, no, basically we don't expect that. <laughs> I think, you know, obviously they've got to have some writing aptitude. <laughs> um, but really, yeah, it is that uh, the kind of the, the sine qua non, if you like, is that um, scientific qualifications. Because then we find we can, you know, we can train the writing side of it much more easily than we can the science side. Um, so, Wellmark's been very good with, um, you know, professional development for, for our writers. We've, uh, we put people through copywriting courses. Um, uh, I did a Master of Marketing at um, Melbourne Business School, as did a couple of my colleagues. Um, yeah, so so it's both uh, formal um, formal training, if you like, and also um, training on the job, obviously. And um, Ryan, maybe you could talk to me about your creative process. So when you have a new client that's just landed, uh, what, what's the process you take them through? So, so copywriters listening can understand what, what is that journey that happens within an agency? Well, that's an interesting question because I, I think it's probably a bit of a different journey in uh, an agency like ours that, that is um, so specialised. You know, I think my understanding, although I've ever worked in a, at a general agency, but my understanding is that you know, the, the creative process uh, is very collaborative from the beginning, if you like. Um, you know, everyone will, will sort of brainstorm, um, you know, from kind of from the time of the brief. Uh, whereas at least with our pharmaceutical work, um, it tends to be writer-led um, simply because, um, you know, we're the ones who, who sort of understand the science behind it. Um, that's not to say that you know that we don't have creative brainstorms and and so on, but but certainly um, uh, it it just does tend to be um, it, it's hard to it's hard to sort of get the creative thinking done before um, you've worked out the, the the scientific rationale and so on for your writing. Um, so so yeah, with a, particularly pharmaceutical brands, that's the case. Um, but then at other times, you know, there are some some projects that we have which. Which really don't require that level of um, high-level scientific input at the beginning, and so then it is very much that that kind of you know collaboration. We'll have you know sometimes we have the whole team meet for a brainstorm, and sometimes just the kind of the the writer and the, and the designer um, working together. But yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about the Baker IDI. I think you did a, a big brand audit for them, and a beautiful sort of book was created as to as their style guide. Um, maybe just talk me through that process because even though copywriters per se don't get into the branding world, it's interesting for them to understand what you do on that level. Yeah, I wasn't actually involved in that personally. Um, uh, <laughs> and I think from memory it was, uh, I can't remember if that was a really traditional process that we went through for that one. 
Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It's it's really interesting to watch uh, the design process um, for something like that as a writer, um, because you don't you know you don't necessarily uh, see that <laughs> very often. Um, and so often, what we'll do with a with a job like that, obviously, is you know we'll we'll be briefed about what where they think the brand needs to be taken in terms of you know not not just visually, but um, you know whatever the, the reasons are behind. Um, going through a change we will then um tend to then take it to the stage of you know for example if there's going to be well we decide whether there needs to be a logo redesign new logo you know whatever it is um, whatever the reasons are behind it and then um and then the designers really go away and and come up with a whole lot of different iterations of, of what that visual identity um could be uh, we did then sort of whittle that down internally um, and uh, and then present sort of, you know, a few options to the client. And then that really forms the basis for the ongoing work on the on the visual identity. So, you know, the colour palette, the, how things are going to be applied across different um, materials and so on. Um, and that's what forms the basis of that brand, brand book or, or style guideline. Some of the campaigns you have been involved with that you are proudest of or you achieved some great results. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there was one just very recently, actually, um, that we did for a client of ours called New Life IVF, which is a, a fertility provider here in Melbourne. Um, we did a campaign to include sperm donors for for them, um, which won won an award at the Creative Floor Healthcare Awards. It was um, seemed to be pretty well received um, by the industry, so that was that was a good one. Um, but I guess in terms of more uh, you know, it's sort of really big, important work that we've done. We we developed the um, the website for the, the National COVID nineteen um, Clinical Evidence Task Force. Um, right right at the beginning of the pandemic, they came to us and they kind of needed things to go up pretty quickly. Um, and you know that that work has really made a huge impact because it's um, a set of living guidelines for the management of, of COVID. Um, that gets updated all the time, and it was really kind of well, one of the first of its kind in the world. Um, so, so that was a good one. Um, yes, um, <laughs> you caught me off guard. Uh, we, oh, well, I'm just trying to think about what we find a few other awards as well. Um, we did. Uh, <laughs> we actually did had an email. A series of email footers that we use on our own emails, um, which were really kind of tongue in cheek, um, you know, classic um, copywriting, if you like, and, and uh, that one won a secure award too. And and I think that was, I don't know, for me personally, anyway, it was kind of one of the first times that I felt I was really, um, I really belonged <laughs> at the agency, if you like. Um, so yeah. why was that? I don't know. I don't know. I, no, well, sorry, I'm, I'm probably putting that too strong. Um, but but I was kind of tasked with doing that and it, and it really felt like, um, I, I, I don't know, I, I sort of did it independently and really didn't, um, it, it sort of took it on and because it, you know, because it did well, 
I don't know, it sounded just seemed to be a bit of a um, stamp of approval. <laughs> and talk to me about uh, pitching, Ryan. Like when, you know, I know, is it Dr. Draper? You, is your handle, is that right? Yeah. On yep. Twitter? Yep. Uh, obviously, the, the, the Don Draper reference, I presume. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about how you pitch, because I know there's copywriters listening who have only worked as a freelancer uh, and not been part of an agency. Can you talk us through what that, that pitching process looks like? What do you do? Uh, yes, well, <laughs> it's a bit of a nightmare, usually. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, pictures are, are, are hard work, uh, and particularly, you know, particularly in healthcare where, and particularly pharma brands, um, you know, where you, you really need to get your head around the science behind it before you can start on much else. And so it's, you know, they are really labour-intensive, but essentially our pictures tend to be led by our, um, director of strategy, Candice O'Sullivan. Um, she really uh, sets up, you know, the the strategic thinking behind um, behind our proposals. And then, um, depending on what else is needed, you know, sometimes sometimes uh, some kind of creative uh, is requested by the client. Although less so these days, we're finding. Um, but in that case, uh, I would work pretty closely with um, Mark Samatino, who's our executive creative director. And he's sort of from the design side. Um, so, yeah, we will tend to work very closely on, on any creative uh, that gets proposed. And I tend, well, both Candice and myself tend to be the ones that will present the pitch. And what that means is usually, um, particularly with a final one, uh, it's an hour of presentation and then kind of half an hour of getting grilled <laughs> in a question and answer session. So, yeah, it's pretty full on. Mm. Why do you call it a nightmare? Oh, just it takes up so much time, you know, um, and particularly, you know, if, it's, <laughs> if you've got other work on at the time, you just sort of have to fit it around. But um, I, the, the, pro, the process itself, I, you know, I actually quite like uh, working on, you know, new ideas for, for, for a potential new client. I really like that part of it. Um, but, yes, it is just, um, you know, very resource-heavy. In my agency days, it was all you, you pitch and you, you don't charge for it. Is that still the same? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> it seems kind of a flawed model, doesn't it, that the client gets a range of amazing um, you know, ideas and collateral and concepts for nothing. I mean, is, is yeah, what, crazy. how would you disrupt that? What, what, what are your thoughts around that? No, I don't know. I don't think anyone's been able to disrupt it really. I mean, very uh, occasionally we will actually, you know, uh, say, look, we don't think we can. We, we don't think we can um, deliver the best response in you know in available time or whatever it is. Would you consider you know simply um, uh, our credentials, and then we can sort of talk further if you you know if you think that's sufficient. So you know sometimes there is room for negoti- negotiation, um, but it just depends sort of how formalised the process is on on the client side. Um, and sometimes, you know, they, they simply won't, you know, they've got, they've got enough <laughs> agencies that are, that are willing to do it, so um, so why would they? But, yeah, it's really just, it, I think we're, I think we're chained to tradition in some ways. It's just, it just seems to be really hard to, to break that model. Mm. And uh, you've written a book, Delusions of, was it Brandure? Grandure. Brandure. Brandure, yeah. yes. That's just talk to me about the book. It looks lovely. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was actually, yeah. I mean, it's 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 very much not a traditional book. Um, <laughs> you know, it's very visual. 
uh, there's lots of you know there's lots of kind of satirical um, snippets in there and so on. So um, it's not not something you sit down and read uh, over weeks. Um, uh, yeah, essentially what happened was that I, I I do a lot of kind of silly little things for Twitter, uh, as well as you know blog posts and, and so on. And I realised a couple of years ago that it, you know it actually accumulated quite a lot of material, uh, and most of that material was pretty ephemeral. You know, as I say, it was, you know it's lying around in Twitter posts and, and on blogs and so on. And so part of my motivation for putting the book together was that I wanted to give all that stuff just a bit of permanence, um, which is quite a self-indulgent answer, I suppose. But obviously what I also had considered was what, what was going to be in it for the reader. Um, and the answer to that is that I wanted to sort of strike that balance between being entertaining and at least instructive to some extent. <laughs> um, and as I say in the intro to the book, it's it's not a marketing book in the conventional sense. So people shouldn't be expecting how brands grow, you know, part three. Um, but I still, I still do think there's some valuable information in there among the, you know, among the more silly stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was put together by a guy called Giles Edwards, who's the founder of an agency in the UK called Dask, um, and he just did an amazing job with it. You know, it. We've had so many comments on, you know, how, how good it looks visually, and, and it's very kind of um, different from everything else that's out there. Yeah. And what has been the result of putting a book out into the world? What kind of sort of outcomes, I guess, or magic has occurred as, as a result of that effort? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting experience. Um, you know, I was I really didn't know how it was going to be received. <laughs> so that's always a bit of a nerve-wracking first couple of days. Um, but, yeah, we got a really, really good response. Um, you know, lots of, lots of people that I really respect um, were complimentary about it and, um, yeah, I mean, we sold enough to make <laughs> a little bit of cash. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know, there's something about I mean, having written a book that feels like a personal accomplishment, which is probably as much as, you know, I could have hoped for. Um, you've got a few, you've written a few books yourself, haven't you? So you I have. You know yeah, I do. I know the, uh, the the work, but I also know the the good um the results, you know, that come from it, which you can't predict until you've mm. actually done it. And so you can tell people to write a book, but until you've done it, they can't see the serendipitous nature of, yeah. you know, connections and things that happen. Um, just just on the blogs and the, the, the tweets that you were talking about and this constant sort of the hungry beast that Google is devours content and requires yeah. so much, what are your thoughts around using content as a, as a way to, to find new clients? You know, how, how do you find new clients? What role does content play in that? Yeah, that's a funny one because I'll be, you know, I'll be um, honest here and say that I've always been pretty sceptical about content marketing. Um, uh, I mean, it's a very broad term. But, yeah, certainly a few years ago, if you'd asked me that, I would have, I would have said to you, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's, all a, it's a bit of a con. Um, but then <laughs> I kind of proved myself wrong um, simply because of the fact that, yeah, I mean, I started to build up a bit of a following on Twitter. Uh, started putting things out there, getting blogs that were you know, that were starting to get read by um, people across the industry, and and it, and it led to referrals. Um, so I think it really does work. Um, and and as you say, you know, it becomes serendipitous as well. Because, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, a lot of the kind of the interaction actually that I had with Mark Ritson um, after studying with him was was through Twitter. 
Um, and that led to further referrals and and kind of um, and which is why I'm on this podcast. So yeah, it's all it it definitely works. Oh, that's there's a full circle kind of or you know reversal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I humbled myself. <laughs> so, um, right in terms of just copywriters starting out, you know, there's, there's people listening who are maybe have got a job, want to be a copywriter, studying to be a copywriter. What what kind of tips would you give them to help them manage that process of going from full time work to their own business or working for an agency? Oh, I'm probably I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to give advice uh, about starting their own business because I've never done it. <laughs> I, I'd be a charlatan if I, if I um, was to give advice about that. Um, but for an agency, so well, I guess I'd, or it, it, yeah, I, I guess starting out in copywriting in general, I'll I'll kind of reiterate what I've said a couple of times in in um, other interviews, which is that you should speak to some experienced copywriters. Um, you know, and kind of speak to as many as you can. Um, I've read an article not that long ago about um, a young entrepreneur who, who makes all her employees um, cold email someone that they really admire in the industry. And I, I thought that was really good advice um, and that you might actually be, you know, quite surprised by what comes of that. Um, and my personal experience of that is that uh, a few years ago, well, no, it's probably, God knows, eight, eight or nine years ago, um, I emailed Drayton Bird, who you probably know is a um, legendary UK copywriter. Uh, and I just emailed him, you know, a blog post that I'd written because it related to something that he'd written. And he uh, ended up reposting it on his blog and, and we stayed in contact and we're, you know, I would consider him a friend now. Um, we're in contact quite a lot. And his advice um, uh is invaluable. You know, he, he has, uh, I would absolutely recommend signing up to his um, his regular emails. He sends emails pretty much every day, with copywriting tips and so on. Um, but one of the things that he says and kind of reiterates all the time is that you, you need to do your study. So you won't just be a copy, good copywriter by osmosis or, or, you know, just because you're a good writer in general. You know, as a copywriter, you really need to know what works um, and that means understanding the fundamentals. Uh, with good copywriting. So I personally think the best way to do that is through some kind of formal training, you know, a copywriting course or, or um, a qualification of some sort. But at the very least, I think you do you need to read, um, you know, so read the books of, uh, you know, people like Drayton, Steve Harrison, um, David Ogilvy, of course, uh, and then kind of reading more broadly. But but I think understanding those fundamentals are, are vital, is vital. Um Oh, and the other thing that I would mention is Suzanne Pope's um, Ad Teaching website, which is uh, just an incredible resource, full of really great creative work. Um, and she what was the website there, right? It's called Ad Teaching um, by Suzanne Pope, uh, and she, you know, she really explains things really well and aimed at a kind of a, you know a, a fairly novice um, writer. Of the you have been a wealth of information. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing with us the world of healthcare, advertising and marketing. No problem. Thank you very much for having me on. Niching is not for everyone, but if you have a special skill, a passion or experience in a sector, maybe it's worth exploring as a way to get your foot in the door so that you can build your business based on a really strong proposition that others can't match. Another great way to launch a copywriting business or to grow it if you already have one is to join Copy Club. With Copy Club, you can find your tribe 
access our incredible video series and unlock a host of templates that will give you the confidence you need to take your copywriting business to the next level. To find out more, check out copyclub.com.au. My joke of the day is a cracker. What did the fish say when he swam into a wall? Damn. And my tip of the day, and this comes from genuine experience, if you really want to focus and get your copy written, turn off your phone. Don't check your emails and avoid the internet until it's done. If you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's it from me. All the best. Take care and bye-bye.